0: All right. Well, uh, I'm glad you all picked a good night to come out. This is gonna be a fun one. I remember hearing a mega mega church pastor say uh, how he keeps attracting uh, new people to his church, and he said, um, basically, I pick I pick passages that are inviting, warm, and welcoming. And uh, I thought, I want his job. But it, as we, uh, we know that the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20 that I have declared to you the whole counsel of God's word. And this is one of those passages where if you were able to pick and choose scriptures that you wanted to avoid, this would be one of them. And yet God doesn't give us that luxury where to teach the whole counsel of God's word. And I imagine there will be a ton of questions following tonight's study. And um, that's okay. And I probably won't have the answers for you. I'll have some, but not all. And, uh, and it'll cause you to study yourself as well. So um, with that, let's open up to First Timothy chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, Keith will give you one. John, he has one, or a few. Raise your hand, I'll get you a Bible. First Timothy chapter 2. All right. First of all, uh, I wanted to share with you, uh, before we read, um, Jimmy Carter backed out of the the, um, Southern Baptist churches, the denomination. He had been a Southern Baptist his whole life, and he backed out primarily for this text and uh, the Southern Baptist Baptist, uh, view of it. Um, And I read this article. It's from um, 2009, 2009. Jimmy Carter decided it's time to go his separate way via uh, Femingston, the former president, called the decision unavoidable after church leaders prohibited women from being ordained and insisted women be subservient to their husbands, said Carter in an essay in The Age. Uh, At its most repugnant, the belief that women must be subjugated to the wishes of men, excuses, slavery, violence, forced prostitution, genital uh, mutilation, and national laws that omit rape as a crime, but it also costs many millions of girls and women control over their own bodies and lives and continues to deny them fair access to education, health, employment, and influence within their own communities. And later, uh, the truth that male religious leaders have had and still have an option to interpret holy teachings either to exalt or subjugate women, they have for their own selfish ends overwhelmingly chosen the latter. Their continuing choice provides a foundation or justification for much of the pervasive persecution and abuse of women throughout the world. And so he stepped out of the Southern Baptist with that statement and it was based on um the Southern Baptist view of of um 1 Timothy chapter 2. That being said, um has anyone ever been in um the navy? Uh any military personnel, okay? Uh, Tom, are are you able to go through the order of ranks? Uh, Officers, can you pull that off? Second Lieutenant, First Lieutenant, Captain, Major, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel, what comes after that? General, Brigadier General, do you know what comes after Brigadier General? Major General, General, Lieutenant. Lieutenant General, and then Full General. Uh, Navy is um, Ensign, Lieutenant, J.G., Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander, Commander, Captain, and then the series of Admiral ranks, Vice, Rear, Full. Um, now, were you an officer or enlisted? enlisted? Enlisted. Enlisted. So in the Army ranks, you have uh, Private. Private, Corporal, um, Private First Class. Private first class specialist, and then it gets up to the sergeant ranks, and then you have what's called NCOs, non-commissioned officers. So when a second lieutenant, fresh out of West Point, um, you know, maybe 22 years old, um, filled with acne, and you've got a non-commissioned officer, um, gunnery sergeant, uh, if that second lieutenant gives him an order, what's the response? Yes, sir. Um, I am a city councilman, and so when I, I took a couple of uh, the pastors today on a tour of the city hall, and uh, they all knew me by name. Opened doors, greeted, were excited. We were ax- asking a question. We were down on the lawn of the Civic Arts Plaza, and um, the city ordinance requires that the music has to face the city hall, but we want to do the national prayer, and it's a natural bowl shape, and we wanted to have the music go out. and um, And so I picked up the phone and dialed the city manager and immediately two personnel came down to assist us. And, that, and everyone was looking at me, how did you do that? We've tried, I said, well, I have authority. It was vested in me for by the mistake of the vote. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> but this is, this is authority that governs. Now, what is the purpose of order and structure as opposed to chaos or uh, where, where we would have Anarchy. What's the purpose of order? Stability, protection, and, and there are order to things. And um, we all are under authority. Now, that uh, fresh lieutenant, second lieutenant out of West Point, um, when you're in combat, Tom, who are you going to listen to when it comes to the way you carry your gear and the way you approach things? Are you going to listen to the second lieutenant who's just finished reading books or the gunny? And there's wisdom and there's knowledge, but the respect for the authority is always there, but it doesn't diminish the value of the individual. The gunnery sergeant is just as valuable, if not more so, than the second lieutenant, but the order of rank maintains the status of the military force. Everyone understand that? It's of great importance because in our culture today, we have anarchy uh, being established. We're losing our ability for free speech. If you're in a public venue where you've paid for, you have the auditorium, you begin to speak, people can come in and shout you out and then remove your freedom of speech. We're losing our religious liberties of the First Amendment. We're losing our Second Amendment rights. We're, we're going through it. Last night, we ruled on a case where it was 3-2 with the council, and I quoted the Fifth Amendment that you know, the, the taking clause of the Fifth Amendment, that here's a man that has a piece of property, wants to develop it. It's going to ruin the view for a number of folks, but he's owned the property, and we can't diminish the value of his property and take it away from him by not having the ability to develop it, and so I stood upon that, and that's, those are, those are rights. That's the Fifth Amendment. So this is order, and this is what gives us these, and this is what protects us as human beings and gives us as an order in society that I just can't come up to Chuck and take what I want from him. There's a law that I would be breaking in relation to that. And there's an authority that, as we've studied in in Romans 13, and as we've studied uh, in a a number of other areas of the Scripture, this is how God has designed it. Okay, so everyone has that? We got that? All right, let's pick up the text now. It's giving you a little context. I'm going to pick up at verse 1. We've studied it, but I'm going to go all the way through to the end of chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore, exhort, exhort first of all that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, For kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So before we move on, I want you to hold that term peaceable because you're going to see that same word not in the English. It's the same word in the Greek, and it's going to be somewhere else. So underline that word peaceable, quiet and peaceable. They go together, quiet and peaceable. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God who desires that all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And this is the power of prayer. Prayer. Uh, you want to see revival, it begins with prayer. You want to see people get saved, God is the one who lays down the covering fire when we pray. God is the one who gets this done. Paul is emphasizing to Timothy as a young minister, he says, I cannot overemphasize the necessity of prayer in your church and in your community. This is where salvation comes from. This is where revival comes from. And this is good and acceptable in the sight of God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, and am speaking the truth in Christ, not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So faith in Christ, and He is the He is the embodiment of truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. Paul is preaching Him in the authority that Christ has. We're submitted to Christ. The Bible says, submitting to us. Uh, um, um, submitting together before the Lord. Husbands and wives, we submit before the Lord. And and then it goes through the order of authority as the family is established. Now, that is a picture of the church and of salvation and of praying for authority in our communities, praying for our leaders. And then he goes into verse 8, and this is how he wants people to pray. He says, I desire therefore that men, and that's not that's not anthropos, that doesn't mean mankind, he means men, he's not talking to women, because later he's going to talk to women, he says, men, I want you to pray everywhere, men to pray everywhere, and and we studied on Sunday how, and I had a friend, uh, Dr. Brock, I went and got my back adjusted, and he said, Rob, you know, I was really convicted, not condemned, but convicted by Sunday's message, I can count on one hand the time in the last eight years that I have prayed for the President of the United States. And and to go through this idea of praying for the pastor and praying for those folks and, and so I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Now you know why he starts with men. Because your families need to see you praying. They need to see you up before they awaken. They need to see you bathing the day in prayer. This is so important. Things are caught, not taught. Things are caught, not taught. Things are caught, not taught. Right? That's how you teach. You do it. Pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Now, holy hands means this is an act that your action matches your heart. I've heard people pray before that are the biggest hypocrites on the face of the earth, and they have got the king's English down, and they, they wax eloquently, and they can fill a room with, with their, you know, theatrics, and, and you just think, wow. But then you're with them another time, and it's the same kind of prayer, and you're thinking, this is a person that rehearsed this, but I've also been around somebody that when they're praying, it's like, this is somebody who spent a lot of time in the presence of the Lord. I remember Cory Ten Boom used to call the Lord Papa, and I could never understand that until recently, where it's really started to mean something to me, that he's Abba, he's Daddy, he's Papa, but still following the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name, but he, she had this intimacy with the Lord where she was hidden in the shadow of his wing, and she was familiar with spending time in his presence through prayer and interceding, and and when we see that word intercession aligning with God's will, this is what Corey Tenboom did. And so when you would hear her pray with that Dutch accent so thick, it was so precious and sweet. And I've, I've, I've heard people pray like that, and I know they've been in the presence of the Lord. And this is what he's saying, holy hands without wrath and doubting. If you're an angry person and you're bitter and you're doubting God, and you're going, well, I might as well pray. I mean, you know, there's nothing else to do. All I can do now, I love that verb. Boy, that's one of my favorite. All I can do now is pray. Such a... <laughs> worthless statement by a a faithless human being. All I can do now is pray. No, you're in this situation because you didn't pray. And this is what you should have been doing all along. Amen. That hurts, I guess, a little bit. So nobody responded. So without wrath and doubting in like manner. So what he's saying in like manner also. So what the men are doing, ladies, you do the same. And, but, but he addresses something. He says, these holy hands without wrath and doubting, that is a contradiction. That's hip, hypocrisy for the, for the man. There's going to be hypocrisy for the woman. And he's not telling women how to dress. He's telling them how to address the Lord. He's telling, he's telling them the condition of your heart isn't, is what is of greatest importance, not the apparel that you wear. He's not addressing that you can't wear gold and you can't braid your hair. Do not misinterpret this passage. In like manner also, the women adorned themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Pearls were three times the price of anything gold in, in Ephesus at the time of this writing. And so he's saying, not, not only do you lavish with, you know, letting, it's not a competition. We're, we're not looking at the outward adorning. We're looking for the condition of the heart. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't dress up. It doesn't mean that you don't look nice. <clears throat> but we'll go through this in a minute. And I... I love the idea that when you dress, when you dress, who are you dressing to impress? Are you coming to bless the Lord or are you coming to be the center of attraction? Do you want the eyes on you? It's real simple. If you got it, flaunt it. That's the world. Be the center of everyone's attention and dress in such a manner as to draw attention to yourself. And it doesn't mean dress frumpy and we all dress in monochromatic themes and, and you know, we all have the same haircut. And blah, 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 blah. That's not what he's saying. You know, the barn needs painting, paint it, make yourself look nice. Like Phyllis Diller said, you know, I spent three hours in the beauty salon and that was just for the estimate. So i <laughs> But he says, with, which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So it's this idea that, that your actions match your words. Let women learn in silence. Stop there for a minute. Silence. Does that mean women aren't allowed to speak? Well, let's see what he says. For Adam was formed first, then Eve... Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Amen, let's go home. Now, that's heavy. Man, I'd like to skip this. I mean, let's just read that in the English, verse 15. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Well, if you're not having babies, apparently you're not saved. That's not what it says. I mean, that's what it says, but that's not what it says. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgressions. We're going to go through this because he lays out an order and why he's describing this. First, he says, this is what you do. This is how you do it. He says, and this is why you're doing that. This is why you're doing that. And we'll take a look at it. But before we go back to the passage, I want to pray again, and then I want to read some other verses to you, and then we'll study the passage. Lord, thank you for this verse, these verses, excuse me, and we thank you, Lord, for this passage, and we ask God, in initial reading, especially in our day and age, in our culture, we just struggle, we just struggle with these things, but it was not always so, and Lord, I know that you have a purpose and a reason for why you've written what you've written, not only Are we to pray what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it? But, God, you give clear presentation of why we are to do it. And so in these next passages, Lord, as we read, would you lead us into all truth and establish the why? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I think maybe, though this passage seems challenging, it really isn't, And I do want to read... Yeah, let's let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, please. Okay, we're going to take a look at verse 26. So God does a creation of the world, and then he gets to verse 26, and he says... Then God said, let us. Okay, what's interesting about us? Plural. Then God said, let us. Who's he speaking about? And he uses a capital for us, by the way. This is where we get the word Elohim, which means singular plurality or unified diversity. Where you get the word university. Diverse studies, a unified purpose to glorify God. University. Singular plurality so you you see god saying then god said let us and this is a picture even in the old testament of the trinity father son and holy spirit what's interesting about the what's interesting about the trinity who submits to the father the son the son who submits to both of them holy spirit he he's he's so quiet you don't even know where he is most of the time unless you're in pensacola or brownsville or toronto and then it's a laugh fest but and, and he moves really quickly, apparently. But no. But I, my joke is this: that that he is he's the the silent member of the Trinity, and he's the Spirit of Christ, and and he lifts up Christ that all men would be drawn unto him. He's a restrainer of evil, but we don't even see him working. We appeal to him, and he, and we operate in the context of what Christ desires. And why, what's Christ's purpose to glorify the Father, and in submission to the Father, Christ, though being God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant. Under death, even death, on a cross, so there's that submission factor in a line of authority, and what do they have in the Trinity? They have community as fathers, you've loved me, so I've loved them. Love can only exist in community, right? and And is there a love in a family with a husband and a wife, though each has a different role, and can they respect those roles and dwell together in unity for the sole purpose of the protection and raising of the children? Yeah. You see this in Genesis, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness, let them have dominion. So all of a sudden they've been given management over something, dominion, authority. They have to manage this earth over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female, he created them, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, so now it's time to procreate, make families, families Kids need covering. And so he says, Let them be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish. There is their their corporate responsibility, their, their management responsibility over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now go to chapter two. Chapter two. And then to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Stop for a minute, tend and to keep it. In the Hebrew, it means to guard and protect. Now, why would you guard and protect something? Uh, there's a threat. So, who's the threat? Satan. Satan. He's He's around. And, and we can go through a whole study of, 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 of him, but right now, su- suffice it to say, there is an enemy, and God has given man the responsibility to protect, to protect, to tend and to keep, to, to, to guard and protect, okay? Because there is an enemy. The Bible says he's the adversary, the lion, a roaring lion, roaming about, seeking me to devour. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the author of lies, right? And he does wonders to families. I've, I've had such a marvelous week. Just a marvelous week. And, and seeing how families can tear each other apart to the point where, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail because I'll, I'll reveal, but it was, it's been an awful week. And it's amazing the level that, that human beings can stoop to for the sake of selfish purposes and how they can bring everyone into it just to make life miserable and, and basically to hell with everyone else. It's awful. And he says, you need to protect from that. So, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. So he gives him a really good reason. He says you can eat of any tree you want. This one over here, don't. That's basically... The exit sign, as you can see right there, that's the exit sign. If you get tired of me, you just go out the exit sign. You don't have to have a relationship with me. We don't have to abide together. We don't have to have community. We don't have to have any love for one another. You can exit from my presence, and that's what God's saying. Here's your exit, that tree right there. Eat of it, and, and dying you will surely die. Because I'm the author of life. I'm the sustainer of life. I am the creator. You're the creature. I keep your heart beating, your lungs moving. But if you want to curse me because you don't like the way I'm operating things and you want to walk away from my presence, there's the door. There's the door. You want to manage the universe on your own and have dominion over all of the things I've created without asking me how to do it. You want to do all these things on your own. You want to move out on your own and get your own job and get all go for it. Well, I, I still want you to give me money, Dad. And and, and, and uh, uh don't don't eat that. That's mine. This is my earth. You're breathing my air, drinking my water, and eating my food. Yeah, well, I, I don't want your authority. Well then you're going to die because there's nothing to eat. I can't bless you. Well, can't I want what I want and do what I... No. No, I've given you dominion to operate in the context and to have a relationship with me. I've created you in my image to have community, just like the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Holy Spirit. This is is community, that we love one another as Christ has loved you. And yet we want to be selfish and all alone. And so he commands that, that you can freely eat, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, will, you shall not eat. And the day that you eat of it gives a really good reason why you'll die. And it's going to be present and progressive. I'm going to allow time to exist because the minute you're born, you're dying. I'm going to give time to exist so you can reconcile yourself back to me. But when you eat of it, you will die and it'll be, it'll be present and progressive. So we just start to rot the minute we're born. A little season where we go, and then we you know, and even when you're growing, you stink. Kids stink. They do. I've smelled them. (laughs) The breath in the morning. I remember the kids, they want to snuggle with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) something crawled in your mouth and died. Go gargle. Boil your teeth, child. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper comparable to him. What is the purpose for marriage? You're welcome to answer anything you want. I asked the question, what is the purpose for marriage? Procreation, I've heard that. No, you can, you can procreate without marriage. Yes. Represent Jesus in the church, that's one good reason, but you can still marry and not represent Jesus in the church. What is the purpose for marriage? Companionship. It's not good that man should be alone. It's to, it's to cure the aloneness of man. Now, how do you have intimacy? Intimacy on a spiritual, physical, and emotional level. There's no way for a man to relate to a woman and a woman to relate to a man. We are two totally different creatures. Can I get an Amen. Now, we would like to teach our children nowadays in our school systems that men are no different than women and women are no different than men. Rhonda Rousey would disagree with you as we now have a man who couldn't make it in the MMA and is now a transgender biological male who's fighting in the female world and breaking eye sockets. And, and it doesn't matter in the MMA, the godless realm of wherever, they, they the, the women are saying no. No. So we want to make us all the same, but we're not. There's a difference. And for intimacy to occur, it's a fascinating concept because to cure the aloneness of man, we have to lay our lives down to understand one another. The Bible says, husbands, rule with your wives with understanding. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. This idea of coming together and connecting, trying to understand why is it that he never wants to ask for directions? Because I know where I am. Why? Does she put on so many different blouses before we go out? I'm wearing the same Costco clothes I wore yesterday. And I'm dressed up. I tuck my shirt in. Let's roll. Yes? Now, now granted, you know, when when you, you make generalizations, we're going to miss the mark. But come on. Look around. And and so here you have this picture. And and by the way, we struggle with these roles. And the more we remove from God, the more that... that that the picture God intended for mankind becomes convoluted and, and strange. And we grow up in houses where a, a father leaves a mother, a mother leaves a father and the children are left. And now you have identity. And who are you? You know, I, I, I have to help my sons walk through this process of manhood because it's mysterious. I remember when I was 13 and I'm like, what is happening to me? And I, I never even wanted to talk to them. And now I can't stop thinking about them. Girls. And, and, I, and I was struggling with this. And, and yeah, my dad was absent. He was traveling. You know, he was a military officer. And, and, and you're trying to process things and figure out life. And where's dad? And, and I remember just sitting with my boys and explaining, this is what's going to happen to you in the next 14 months. They're like, thanks, dad and to walk them through this process, and then to have godly men walk them through this process, and then to have Michelle walk them through the understanding of the opposite sex and explain to them, and all these things start to come together, and, and now they get it. And we each have a role to play in that. Well, this is the idea that it's not good that, men should be, or that, that man should be alone, and so it's to cure the aloneness of man. We want intimacy. We want fellowship. We want to connect we, we've never had so much technology and been so distant from each other. I, I, I crack up. I'm sitting in my living room, and we're in the same room, and we're not talking to each other. We're on a device texting somebody who's not even in the room. I, I personally think that most people go on dates and text each other while they're at the table. That's what I'm thinking. This is our world. We're enveloped by some technology, and now can you, we can't even walk away from that phone. So, so we get to this place where he says, um, "It's not good that man should be alone." Verse eighteen, verse nineteen. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever he called them, each living creature was its name. All right, <clears throat> let me just parade a whole myriad of animals in front of you. They're going to be of all different shapes and sizes. We're going to do combinations. We're going to do a, a rhinoceros, um, uh, an elephant, a rhinoceros. It's called an elephino and uh, And I thought that was funny uh, we 're going to put them together right and and you look at them and and you, you, you have to name them and then after you name them, you have to remember those names because this is your business, this is your, this is your dominion. you need to go, hey, you need to go round up the huchimawatsis and the whatchima call <clears throat> and so he 's naming all of them, which God is giving him dominion he 's got authority, and as he 's naming them. Uh, He has to do all the birds of the air. There are so many birds, I can't even tell you in English what these birds' names are. That's a small bird. But look at verse 20. So Adam gave names to the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him, not a servant, not a slave, a helpmate, someone suitable to him. And, and, and even in the Hebrew mindset, it's it's not from the head or from the foot. It's from the side. You're going to see this. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And as he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up. This is first anesthesiology right there. Uh, closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. Now, this is ancient Hebrew. It's hard to understand. It's, it's just we understand it's from the side. <clears throat> I, I've seen shirts that say, I want my rib back. The guys wear them. It's not cool. <clears throat> sorry, and he made him woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Um, There's a whole concept with the play on the Hebrew word and uh, uh, ish and ishar and comes together. It just means helper, like me, someone like me, but different. Someone like me, but different. Father, son, same, different. Union, community, but different. And another way to look at it is, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, which is him just going, she's phenomenal. He's just drawing. Wah. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother. Now, did they have any fathers and mothers? No, they, they they were. We don't know if they were the chicken or the egg, but they came first. But he lays this out. He says, this is going to be the order of my creation. A man will take authority, and he will leave his father and his mother, and he will then be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, a new family. And the man shall instigate this. He shall move forward in regards to this. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were unashamed. You know what? This concept of naked is complete intimacy. I have nothing hide from you isn't that what we want in community isn't that what we want because we're alone we want to be able to have community we want to have intimacy we want to be able to connect no secrets no is this this. i've been listening to that country song why are you so far away and they're lying in bed and he's describing this and she's describing that and there's like a foot between them in the bed and they just don't understand where's the intimacy it's all the secrets and all the and, and and this is that idea naked and unashamed nothing is hindering open community with each other that's the point. Now, almost finished, finish Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. Here's the enemy. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, that's not true. I'm allowed to eat of all the trees, but not of that one. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she's connected something that wasn't there. She connected touching, which wasn't part of God's original statement. She's gotten the wording wrong. She's added a concept that wasn't there. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not allowed to eat it, and I'm not allowed to touch it. But she's just thinking, well, that's the, next, that's the next logical conclusion. The only way I can eat it is to touch it. Right? Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. What's he doing? He's questioning the word of God and the authority of God. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, this is true. We do know good and evil, don't we? How about that? Boy, we sure won, didn't we? We've we've really gotten to know evil. We're struggling to try to get to know good. It's contrary to our nature, our fallen nature. But the Lord is, he is good. Only God is good. People say, how you doing? I'm good. No, you aren't. You're well, but you're not good. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eye. Now, these are all emotional connections. She's She's seeing this. Pleasant to the eyes and trees Zion make one wise. She took his fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her. Now, here's one question for you. Who was told to guard and tend, guard and protect the garden? Where is he? I mean, the enemy, Satan himself, is right there with his wife, and he's nowhere to be found. Let me help you with the passive men that don't seem to lead their families. Where are you? Well, my wife takes the kids to church. That's passive. Just, just let everyone run amok on your family. Here, Satan is in the garden. Where are you? No room for passive men. One of the reasons why, why you find in the church really strong women is because their husbands fail to lead. And they, they want to have this concept of submission, but they're watching their families go nowhere. Would you just make the call for the interview? And, and the fear. Why do I have to submit to this man who won't do anything? That's it. I'm taking matters in my own hands. And temporarily, it seems like it's doing really well. And you move to the ranks and you just go, I'm miserable. I want to be with the kids. I, 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 there's something missing and here we are, we've moved away and, and we, it used to be 10% of our GDP was, uh, uh, was government. Now we're at 53%. And here's the cost of living. I want to share with you the cost of living. You talk about inflation and we say it rises a certain rate and all those things. And, and even if you, you buy your house and you pay off your debt and you retire, you, you live 30 years, you're going to be struggling. You're going to be struggling. Cost of living will increase. Inflation will go through the roof. You're going to have all of these problems. And, and here we are, What is the cost of living today? I'll tell you the cost of living. You have two people working ungodly hours to achieve the same amount of money that one person was making early on in our country. We have more things and our children are more distant. We have no character, no direction, no concept. We don't know what godliness is and we're all lonely and miserable. And we have everything imaginable that we can play with. And the character of our children are wayward and gone. And we're watching our nation implode because of the absence of character. And the character is because we're more concerned with the braiding and the fine apparel and the absence of holy hands. I can't pray. I don't have time to read. i got to get to work. i got to check the stock market. And the cost of living is costing us our children's futures. And that's the picture here. And we think we're wiser. And he gives it to his, his wife, and the, the wife gives it to the husband. Here's the problem with Adam. Hers hers was a sin of, of theological nature, his was an act of the will. And and who got the explanation first? It was it was Adam. He was told about the tree. And then he was told to guard the garden and explained to everybody, and he didn't do his wife. She got the theology wrong. He had an act of his will. I I would rather side with my wife than with God. What he could have done, which would have been cool, is, Lord, kill me and let her live. I'm sinless. That's an act of love. Instead, he said, I want just what you have. Let's go for it. And they both exited the presence of God together. Now, Lord God, verse 9, called Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. Hey, what happened there? Intimacy gone. We have to hide ourselves. They got fig leaves. I've seen fig leaves. They're uncomfortable. They're weird. I don't know why they did that. Maybe the shape. It's kind of interesting, but I'll leave it at that. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And, of course, confronted with sin, we, we... we make excuses. We blame others, right? That's a woman. The woman goes, It's a serpent. The serpent goes, I don't care. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. So he places that curse, and it's this picture of what's going to happen. I will put enmity, verse 5, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And you shall bruise his, your, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Meaning that Christ is gonna crush you and when he said it is finished, he killed death and soon uh, an angel whose name we don't even know is gonna put Lucifer in, in the dungeon. Just one angel, full authority. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. You're always gonna want his authority. That's the sin nature. You're gonna want his authority and he 's going to rule over you and it, and it's going to be this tension and you're you're going have you're going to have the ability to birth the child, and there will be pain in the conception and the delivery of that child and that's that's the issue of the world because we're a fallen world, and this is what's but in that regard from you, you will be the mother of the living watch then To Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for dust you are. And to dust you shall return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust is where we get that concept. And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of what? All the living. Life is going to come from your womb, and the Messiah will ultimately come as a descendant from you, Eve. So, so that picture is very important. Before we get back to First Timothy chapter two, let me just conclude with verse twenty-one. Also, Adam and his wife. Uh, also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. A tunic—it's a skin of an animal, right? How do you get a skin of an animal? You got to kill it. And what he's saying to them is the wages of sin is death. Something had to die for you to live. And ultimately by faith that Savior is going to come. You're going to look forward to a point in time by faith. Christians today look back to a point in time by faith. That the Messiah, this is a representation of what will come. And for us that has already been fulfilled in the sacrifice of the Lamb of God the Messiah. The other picture too is what you see in this is the proto-evangelicum, the very first picture of the gospel, the good news that, that Christ would crush Satan and from Eve in the lineage of this will come the Messiah of the world. Last one, turn to First Peter chapter 3 and we'll be finished with the passages. Maybe. It's 8.04, I have 26 minutes, I'll get it all in. But you need it in context so you don't all whine later. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some of you do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So you have an ungodly husband, still submit to him. Uh, they'll be won by your conduct and observation of the law. It's going to be your life that's going to win them. They're caught, not taught. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, which is the incorruptible beauty of a gentle, quiet, peaceable, silent spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do not... If you do good and are not afraid with any terror, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you're called to this, and this, that you may inherit a blessing, that God would be with you and he would bless your life. Isn't this what you want? You want reconciliation with the Father and with each other. We want community and we want intimacy. We're tired of being alone. And when it says that God ordained, uh, uh, verse 5, for in this manner in former times a holy woman who trusts in God also Or Adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands As Sarah obeyed Abraham Calling him Lord whose daughters you are If you do good and are not afraid with any terror I'll I'll briefly share this with you It'll take me two minutes You remember Abraham He was told to leave her of Chaldees To go to a land that God would show him He was to leave his family and all of his possessions And go there and he stops in Haran Picks up his father Takes his nephew with him You know Sarah obeys completely She leaves her family behind She follows him into the middle of nowhere They leave Santa Barbara to go to Lancaster and, and they, they, they get up there, and when they're up there, he, there's a drought in the land. Abraham says, I'm going down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. Sarah follows him. When they get to the outskirts of Egypt, he realizes she's so stunningly beautiful because there's nothing prettier than a faithful, godly woman. And he says to his wife, you need to tell them that you're my sister. Well, she happened to be his half-sister. But it's not that way. She happened to be his half-sister. She happened to be his half-sister, and so for her, she could tell the truth, but he was telling a half-truth, which is a whole lie, to deceive Pharaoh. She was obeying her husband, but if they said, well, are you also his wife? She would say yes. She wasn't lying. She was obeying. She would tell the truth if confronted with it, but she was doing what she was told to do. And so Pharaoh's hot on her, and all of a sudden he sees them close to each other. He says, Wait a minute, I've been deceived. And he'd given Abraham all these camels, which are like Ferraris, and he'd given him donkeys and mules and cattle, which is, you know, the equivalent of really nice cars and things. And he's just loaded with goods. And he's just stunned by the deception of these people that presented themselves as monotheistic, worshiping one God. He kicks them out of Egypt. They leave Egypt with all of their animals, completely humiliated. And the entire time there, Sarah is silent. And she's praying. And I share the story about when Michelle and I were in San Jose, and we were in this windowless apartment. We were completely broke. There were cockroaches on the floor. We had no food. We were eating out of the Second Harvest food bank. We were completely broke. We were overwhelmed. I was never home. The church was so intense that it was just the hardest work I've ever done. I didn't see her. We were ships passing in the night. And, and I came home one day. I was so tired, and I'm sitting in this windowless apartment. I kid you not. It was a... a a unit inside unit, and you, you turn off the lights, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And they turned on lights, they were all fluorescent, we couldn't afford lamps. And, and, and there, there I was with this TV with three channels, just flipping it incessantly. And my little girl comes in, you know, Daddy, would you, would you tuck me in? I said, no, go back to your room, Daddy's tired. And the other one comes in, please, Daddy, would you, no, not tonight, go to bed, I'm tired. Kel, uh, Michelle's sitting next to me. And I don't even want her touching me and I'm flipping the channels. And then finally, after a couple times, then Kelly, you know, gutsy comes in and goes, Daddy, please, I I just unleashed on her. Go back to your bed. I told you I'm tired. I'm not tucking you in. And and Michelle nudges me. I go, what? And at that moment, if she wanted to, she just touched me gently. If she wanted to, she could have said, don't you yell at me. We're driving a car with 157,000 miles on it. It's a lease. We're upside down on it. We live in a windowless apartment. We're eating secondhand food. I, I could have married the man who, 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 who was the heir to the Hiltons. I was raised in Los Gatos, Los Gatos High School. You, you, you're, you're cleaning carpets in the evening. You're never here. You, you, you haven't provided, you're worthless. And, and, and she would have been completely right, because that's how I felt about myself. She would have cut me down to size. And then she would have had the family all to her own, and I would have been out of the picture, and I would have been crushed, But she turned to me, and this is what she said. She said, they just miss you like I do. My quiet and gentle spirit was like a knife to my heart. I told her I was sorry, I got off my lazy butt, I went in, tucked in the kids, kissed, kissed them, loved on, prayed with them, prayed with my wife. Changed the whole perspective. When the Bible says in this passage, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Weaker vessel means this idea almost finished, Sarah comes to Abraham and says to Abraham in this whole mess and says, obviously God has withheld my womb. I can't have children. So you might as well go in and sleep with Hagar, the handmaid that we picked up when we were kicked out of Egypt. But that's another story. You might as well sleep with Hagar because she's young and they were actually, she was an au pair. She was put to be with this prince to follow them. And so she's training an au pair trains in a, a noble's house. And she's beautiful and says, you might as well sleep with her and have children by her because that's acceptable in our culture. And Abraham's like, all right, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, I, it's not that I really want. I mean, I, I'm doing this for you, baby. And she, he goes in and sleeps with her and, and breaks her heart. And then Hagar becomes pregnant. She's rubbing her belly, looking at Sarah. Hey, 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 I got your husband's baby, right? At which point Sarah turns to Abraham and says, this be upon you. And he's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You told me to go sleep with her. And of course, the picture is, I may have said that, but that's not what it meant. Of course, women never do that. What she was saying is, remind me again of God's promises. Bathe me in the water of the word of his promise. Tell me that I'm beautiful. Remind me. If, if I'm your attention second only to the Lord, I'll go anywhere with you. Just remind me. I'm hearing all the voices. I, I, I read the women's magazines on the checkout. I, I'm unfulfilled in the sense that the world's telling me I'm not, comp- just tell me again. Remind me of God's promises. Instead, you slept with Hagar. And and now this is your fault. And God's like, yeah, she's right. Abraham's like, I I I die. I need to dwell with her with understanding. And that's what he's saying: dwell with your wives with understanding, weaker vessels, your heirs together of this grace of life. And listen, men, you don't want to do that and take time to listen. Yeah, they come home, and my, my wife, she just she 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 takes pages to describe what you can do in a sentence, and she adds things that are of absolute zero necessity with emotional details connected with everything wired to this. Just what is the deal? I tell Molly that all the time. Cut to the chase, woman. What do you want? I'll fix it. That's what I do. I fix things. Well, I just want to explain why it's affecting me so deeply. I don't want all that. But what happens is it brings in the joy of life. And as you listen and you now know how to pray with the things that affect them and why they happen that way. And she can pray to understand what affects me and why these things are of irrelevance to me. And then we become one. And if you avoid that, men, your prayers are hindered because the answer is usually from your wife if you'd shut up and listen. I just wanted to add that. Be of one mind. And the only way to do that is to lay yours down together, submitting to one another. Um, I'll leave it at that. I was going to go through Ephesians. Real simple in Ephesians. Wives, submit to your husbands unto the Lord. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. will go well with you. This is the order. This is the structure of the military of a family. This is the structure of the of the corporation of the family. This is the structure of the business of the family. This is the structure of the dominion, corporate call of the family. This is the order of authority. You don't have to like it. Some men don't want to lead. I get it. Let her go. She's, I, I don't even want to deal with it. I, I hate it. Michelle, because you make the call. Why do I have to make the call? Because you're the husband. Yeah, but, but the, you you know, I don't even know. Please. Give me the phone. I don't like it. You do it. But she has me to say, please, take it, lead on this. All right, I'll lead on it. And there are times where, you know, there are things she doesn't want to do. There are things I don't want to do that are part of our role. I, I, I sat through a five-hour city council meeting. There was, there was probably three of the hours I didn't want to be there. But it's my role. It's my responsibility. Yes? Okay, I think I've got that. We're almost finished. I have 16 minutes. We will conclude, and you will be stoked. Turn with me. Let's get to 1 Timothy chapter 2. All of this is background for you. We are in a society that is imploding with anarchy. Now, with that in mind, let's pick up at verse 8. Here we go. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair, gold, or pearls or costly clothing. Do you remember First Peter chapter three? Whose daughters you are? Do you remember how she treated Abraham? Do you remember Michelle on the couch? Does this make sense now? It's the attitude of the heart, not the outward appearance. It doesn't mean that you can't braid your hair, it doesn't mean that you can't wear gold, it doesn't mean you can't wear pearls. The question is, in the context of a church, who are you dressing for? Yourself or the Lord? And, and you know, there's, there's really neat ways to dress that are lovely. And, and, and it, it, you, can, you can see there's, there's this unique gifting that a, a Christian woman has. That she can be beautiful and attractive without being distracting. And then there's the ability that that all changes. And and that's kind of what the Lord is saying. And you know that before. Just look in the mirror. And just say, Lord, how, how, do I look good for you? Are you happy with this, Lord? He'll tell you. No, no, I want you to put something more monochromatic on. I want the collar all the way up to your neck. And I don't want ankles showing. I want you to wear a big sackcloth. That's it. He's not going to tell you that. He's given us... This idea of humanity, we, we love colors and, and putting combinations together, and, and it really is great, and it's lovely, and and my wife shares that with me all the time. She wants to make sure, and it's kind of fun for her, and I won't go through what she says when she's doing things, but that's, it's cool, so I'm just going to leave it at that. You can ask questions later, I'll give you a minute. Um, and the idea of costly clothing, too, you know, you... you I, I, I want people to be blessed. I, I want you, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. I get all that. And, you know, drive in with whatever you want to drive in with. Wear whatever you want to wear. But if you're walking in and you're, you're just shimmering and you're walking down, just wanting everybody to know, it, it, I'll, you know, it's a little odd. And we we can look at you walking down and go, that that guy, that is a love of money. It is a love of money. You lay awake at night worrying about it. Love is what you focus your attention and your heart on, and your and and your life on, and all these things. And he's, he's that person's walking in, and you just know they're consumed with everything that they're dressed in. Let it go, let it go. But with proper for women professing godliness with good works, and this is the idea that it's actions, not adornments. And um, and this is the picture. Verse eleven let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And so we go back to verse two, quiet and peaceable lives. What did it say in First Peter chapter three? A quiet and gentle spirit, which is precious in the sight of the Lord. You're not boisterous. You're, you're you know, I need to let everyone in here know that I am not submitting to the authority of, of, of this patriarchal system of a church. And I've got questions for you. Well, good. We can do that in my office later. No, I want to do it right here, right now. Well, we're not going to do that right here, right now. We have teaching to do, and we'll address that later. Well, I don't like the way the churches will. The doors were open both ways. But this is what the scripture says, and this is the order that we follow as a design of what God has had. The church is a family. As God ordained the design of man and woman in Genesis, and he designs a family, he does that with a church. Now, I will agree that there are single-parent families, and they work. They work. They're hard. And I've never met a single parent that loves doing it alone. Never met one. 20 plus years of ministry, I've never met one single parent going, I love doing this by myself. absolutely love it. I, can't, I mean, I can't get enough of it. It does work, and they've raised some amazing kids. But I also know that the children that are most molested usually are in a single parent family. They're, they're, the enemy comes in there when there isn't someone guarding the garden, intending, protecting, and they have to keep double duty and vigilance and and they, they don't have anyone to make the phone call for tough calls, and it's hard. But it works. It's just hard. And and you can have a woman preacher and she can preach the gospel and you can see people get saved. And it works. But it's not the way God ordered it. It's not the way He designed it. It's not ideal. That's the way it is. You can have battlefield promotions. Everyone can change authority. If I'm on a mission field and there's a woman pastor and and she's getting the work done and there isn't another Christian for miles around, I'm not going, well, I I don't don't deal with that. The scripture is very clear. When it says here, I do not, women are to learn in silence, but look at verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. It's not that they're not allowed to teach. Phoebe was a deaconess. You had, um, um, oh, the, the couple that taught the, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. She was a teacher. You, you got all kinds of teachers. They teach all the time. My wife teaches me. My wife teaches our kids. My, the, the teaching is not what he's saying here. It's teaching that has authority over a man, meaning the structure of the design of the corporation, which is the church, which is the family dad is the head this is how it works they're still teaching they have full freedom to teach but they recognize the system of authority within the church nowhere in scriptures do you have women elders or women pastors nowhere they're not in the scriptures that's the design of the church can they teach better than men? Sure, I imagine they could. I, women are valid Victorians. I know they could probably teach better than men, but that's not, I'll tell you what, I know that most of you in this room could probably teach better than me. But God put me here. So take it up with him. This is his word. And we recognize that and we submit to it and we're a family and we go forward. I got, I got news for you. My kids would probably like at times to have another dad. <laughs> I'm it. And they're still called to submit to me. And they learn from that. And you never go wrong as a kid submitting to your parents, ever. Ever. Unless, of course, they're asking you to submit to ungodly things. That, that's, not, that's not required by Scripture. And that's the same for a woman to a man. He's, if, he, if he tells you, look, we, we need to make some extra money and I need you to go out and dance in the you know, go-go bar. No, I'm not doing that. It ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Well, you don't understand. I'm the husband of the. It's not going to happen. Let a woman learn in silence and submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be in silence, which means peaceable. This idea of receiving the teaching as opposed to giving it in the regard of authority in the church. Okay? And then it comes to, for Adam was formed first. Now he gives the why. Adam was formed first. This is the order and the design that I have established for the dominion corporation of man on the earth. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. It was a theological issue for her. Fell into transgression, and nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith in love and in holiness. And the idea is this. It's to recognize not that they're saved by childbirth because we can think of a myriad of women in Scripture who were believers that didn't have children. It doesn't work that way. You're not saved by childbirth, and it's not that you can you can earn salvation by your works you're saved by grace through faith it's a gift of god not of works lest so, any man should boast the context of the verse itself what is being said here is you find you find your worth and your value in the position i've given you and from that position of raising children and and giving birth and tending to children having this fear of influence of teaching within the church you change the world. I, I got to find this. I, I love this quote. I've got so many pages here because I was worried you're going to ask me questions I couldn't answer. So I pulled up everybody's thoughts and then and then I couldn't find them and then it all hell broke loose and I still can't find it but it's here. and it's, Oh, here it is. Um. I like what Ray Stedman says. He says, it's simply recognizing that a mother's unique contribution to life is to pour herself and all her values into her children in order that, that as they come to manhood or womanhood, that they touch life and change it because of their mother's helpful influence. In the old proverb that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I wrote this quote down that I'd gotten from a Stephen Mansfield book about Abraham Lincoln, his famous quotation in regards to his mother. He said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Um, she died when he was just a boy and made an enormous impression upon his life so that's the text you have five minutes be kind any questions good let's go home no any questions on the text tonight any thoughts we're in a world of disorder we're in a world of chaos where everybody wants their way and 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 here we're given a design that when it's applied, it's fruitful. And I'm, I'm telling you, 26 years of marriage, and, and, and this isn't me speaking, this is Michelle and I speaking, we wouldn't want it any other way. I love, and so does Michelle, the way that we interact with each other. You want to ask my kids. You can do that individually on their own. Ask them if they appreciate the way in which our family operates in the context of what God has laid out and ask them if they feel safe, ask them if they feel challenged and secure, ask them if they feel loved and ask them if they're happy. Go ahead. You you can ask them. And then I want to ask you, fighting against this order or this design, how's that working for you? You know, and, 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 and listen, as a single man, I can stay up later and, and, and get up earlier or sleep in if I want. I can accomplish great. When I travel, when I travel alone, it is so easy. I, I love to travel alone in that respect. Love to travel alone in that respect. I know what I got. I'm going there. And drop that. I've got all my shirts. With Michelle. I mean, she left this morning for Baltimore. And, and I'm not going with her. Daniel went with her. And uh, I said, honey, uh, your flight leaves at 6.30. You're going you're gonna to need to be there by 5.30. There's going to be long lines because TSA is really cracking down. And it's at LAX, so you have to leave by 4.30, which means you have to be up at like 4.00. I would almost say 3.45. And at this point, I'm having a talk with her. It's like midnight. and I, I got, And I'm telling her, I... I, I I would have told you earlier. Maybe she got in bed earlier, but well, I've got all my stuff done, and I'm thinking about it. And she's going, and, and she's not, and so she sleeps. And and the next thing I know, as as I said, I'd help with certain things. I'm I'm sleeping a little bit. I look over the clock, and uh, it's five thirty. And I go, honey, you you actually need to be at LAX right now. Actually, it's five o'clock. I go, you need to be at LAX like in the next thirty minutes, and it's an hour away i know i know i'm doing and she's still like straightening her i'm like oh my god what are you doing and she's putting in earrings braiding fine apparel hair adorned anyways that not pertaining to the text and and daniel's like i know dad he's brushing his teeth he's like i'm just waiting for mom yeah that's what we do we wait for a woman and she gets in the car and she's there. And she goes, I got there just in time when the A line was going in. It was just perfect. And Daniel's like, Oh, I almost died in the car because my, I, you know. And, and, and my whole day turned upside. She's calling, I need you to do this. I need you to do and, this. And, and, and when I travel with her, that's what we do together. I'm helping her, and I'm going, we got to get up. I don't want to get up. I know you don't, but we're going to get up. Come on now. And I've learned that you don't stand by there going, are you, are you, going to, are you almost done? You, you don't do that. You go somewhere else and hover. This is life, and I love it. And I'll tell you this. It's easier to travel alone physically, but spiritually, it is a living hell. I love being with my wife when I want to travel. There's just something strong about it.